some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised. Never before in the history of sports podcasts have two men brought you opinion and analysis like these two. They speak for a city that's desperate for wins and titles, not whining and travesty. You might not agree with what they have to say, but you'll defend their right to say it. Sports fans across the world, from Chicago, Illinois, this is The Mac and Reed Show. What's happening, everybody? Welcome into another edition of the Mac and Reed Show right here on the Barroom Network. We are streaming live on YouTube, and if you've missed any of our previous shows, you can catch them on YouTube, on Spotify, on iTunes. Remember to follow us on social media. Follow me at 311Mac. Follow Ross at Ross Reed. And, of course, follow at Barroom Network for all the updates as we're a little earlier uh, than usual today. We have a ton of to get to we're talking bears of course for a majority of this show coming off a big win uh against the patriots and now preparing looking ahead for dallas that game against the cowboys should be a fun one uh, as we're riding high after that win against the pats uh talk about the robert quinn trade in depth now he's a philadelphia eagle uh the rich get richer as far as the eagles go and, and looks like they're pretty poised to make a deep run as they're one of the best teams they're still the only undefeated team uh, in the NFL. We'll talk about all the NFL action from this past week as the Bills and, and Eagles were off all those top teams. And we'll talk about the Bulls. We'll talk about it all. We'll touch on we've, what we've avoided for a while, Ross, and who's who's making headlines, Mr. Kanye West or whatever yeah. you call him now. We'll briefly touch on it because we've been fans and followed his, uh, his path for, for years and years. Surprises along the way, perhaps more takes it. I have not caught up on the Thrones but I know it just ended and people are losing their minds. And how are you, sir? What's going on with you? I'm fantastic. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. It's uh, another Thursday. Yeah, Halloween is among us, right? It's upon us for sure. And let's dive into it, man. Yeah, absolutely. Let's talk at the start here, talking about the Bears coming off that big win against the Patriots, 33-14, to where... No one really expected them to take home a W. I, I certainly didn't. Ross didn't last week. You're you're really thinking the worst of this team and how they've been limping through. Just after that performance against the Commanders, you you sort of told yourself, man, it's going to be hard to watch any Bears game this season. But but look at this: the, the highest scoring output in a long time as they put up 33 points, as I mentioned. Uh, they played to Justin Fields' strengths. The defense was forcing turnovers, looking good. Um, you know, every pl- every phase played well. Uh, the big takeaways for me, of course, were were where the hell has this offense been all year that was able to beat up on this Bill Belichick coach team? Uh, the designed runs were working like a charm to cut up the Pats defense and, and set up for, you know, screens and, and whatever else was in the playbook to get Justin Fields in this offense going and put up some points. And in a game where Bill Belichick would have, if he had won, would have surpassed uh, George Hallis for second all-time coaching wins because he's still tied with him after that loss. 
it was like George House looked down upon us and said, not today, not not today, Bill, against my team. And so that was cool to see. The defense was playing outstanding. That was a huge takeaway was Jaquan Brisker and Kyler Gordon and how it both got an interception. It's the sign of things to come, hopefully, albeit, you know, playing against some sort of quarter con- controversy after Mac Jones was benched and Zappy entered the game. Uh, but Roquan Smith still making the case for best linebacker in the NFL. He played really well. Uh, he led the team in tackles. It's a sack and interception. Terrific stuff. He was all over the field, set the tone. You knew most of the points were going to be field goals, but Cairo Santos couldn't miss. Back to my point about all phases. Just all week leading up to that Monday night game, people were asking me if the Bears had a chance. And, uh, you know, if you asked me last week and, and, and we both picked the Bears to lose, you know, it, of course we, we thought that it was going to be the worst sort of performance based on how just objectionably bad the offense has been through several weeks of football so far. But every week in the NFL, it's a new opportunity. There's a reason these guys make a 53-man roster and reason you, you pad up every week and just, you know, give it your best shot. And it was a new opportunity, and they took it. They were just more prepared for the Pats. The only one who who predicted the Bears to, to perform this well, I think, was Bill Belichick when he was praising the Bears in the week leading up to this game. But they were very prepared for, from coaching down to, to all those three phases, as I mentioned. It, it really showed. And, and what were some takeaways from you after that surprising win, Ross? Yeah, I mean, listen, the fact that they were just so well prepared, you know, coming out of that mini bye week um, was was huge to me, right? And so credit to Matt Eberflus and Luke Getze uh, and, and, and Alan, um, Alan Williams and, and the entire coaching staff for coming out there and having this football team prepared from the get-go. That was awesome. I thought that was um, Luke Getze's best um you know, game that was the best game plan he's had all season. And, you know, he was able to move Justin immediately out of the pocket. He was be able to, to get Justin out on the edge, make some quick throws. Um, I loved all the designed ones that the Bears had. He mentioned after the game that he looked at the tape that the Ravens, uh, from the Ravens game against the Patriots a couple weeks before that, where the Ravens just absolutely put it on. Bill Belichick's and, and, and the Patriots, and he kind of wanted to, to mimic that a little bit, and he did, and we saw a great success. The Bears um, were able to get the ball out of Justin's hands quickly. The running game was good. Justin had 82 yards on the ground and a rushing touchdown in that opening drive. And, um, you know, that to me was the most important thing in the game because that's what's going to be the most important thing going forward for the rest of the season, right? The, the wins and stuff are fun, but seeing Justin Fields take those steps forward week after week and being able to stack drives together and being able to, to play, you know, in an offense that it feels like it's built around him. And yeah, we still have concerns about the wide receivers and we still have concerns about the offensive line, but he showed you on, on Monday that he is a dynamic athlete and he could be a dynamic player in this league. As long as you um, have a scheme that fits him. I also love how the whole team bounced back after the Patriots um, had those two touchdowns, right? So you know the bears were up. Patriots go down, they score 14 straight points, right? And, and that's when you kind of felt like, uh-oh, this is over. The, you know, this is about to get ugly. This is classic Bears. But no, the Bears took those punches, and they came back, and they dominated the rest of that football game, and they caused um, a very un-Bill Belichick-like um, decision, which is flipping quarterbacks. And, and, you know, he, yeah. you know, Mac Jones throws an interception to Jaquan Brisker, 
and and Mac Jones is immediately benched, and here comes Bailey Zappi, and, and Bailey Zappi had the high hand, but then Bailey Zappi looked like shit for the rest of the football game, and now all of a sudden, Bill Belichick has created himself a big issue in New England because he's put a spotlight on two young men that probably didn't ask for this, and you know the old saying is if you if you have two quarterbacks, it means you really don't have one. And now the Patriots are, are have a huge conundrum because who do you start on Sunday? What happens if that guy throws an interception or two? You can't keep flip flopping these guys. You're going to break both of their psyches. You're going to break the the team's mentality. And it's it's really fun to say that the Bears, you know, kind of did that. That they they, they were the ones that broke. Uh, the mole. You would never think in a million years that Bill Belichick would do something like this. He would he would pull the trigger on a guy, a la Tom Brady, you know, over Drew Bledsoe. But he would stick with that decision. And so now it's going to be interesting to see what they do going forward because I don't think Bailey Zappi is it either. And, and you know, if you don't think Mac Jones is it, that's fine. I really don't think Bailey Zappi is it either, which means that um, both uh, you know they've got a bad situation there, but it's cool to see that the bears did that and see that their, their defense was able to do that. The two young rookies that you said, um, that was also for them. I think Ryan polls as a whole had a really good game Monday night because the two rookies that he drafted played well, but also Braxton Jones was able to, to hold up a lot better. He's one of the highest rated rookie tackles uh, starting this year. And um, it was just a good win. It's a good feel good win. And now you go against the Cowboys um, who are banged up right now, and you might be able to steal one. And if you get back to 500, who knows? In this crappy NFC, you know, anything can happen. And um, shout out to free girls in your city in the comments there, too. <laughs> I was looking at that. Yeah, buddy, that's that's our sponsors right there. <laughs> <laughs> free girls in your city. So, you know, that was pretty surprising to me that Mac Jones was on such a short leash. I get it. He threw one interception. He looked relatively ineffective. But and then Bailey Zappi looked like he was just going to take over the game, obviously, when he led those two two scores. But that, that's a really good point you brought up, Ross, is a lot of teams will just let that go. And then the, it's a game of momentum and will just continue to to dig themselves deeper. The Bears did not. And we know that this this Bears team certainly looked like it had the making of, of uh, collapsing after they went down 14-10 in that second quarter. But then they finished the quarter strong to go up 20-14. to 14, And then, like you said, dominated the rest of the half. They had um, more takeaways. And, and whether it be Cairo Santos or David Montgomery sealing that that game with uh, a, a touchdown late um, in the fourth quarter. I mean, it was it was really great to see. It, it's uh, what you touched on too, and certainly what everybody wants to see is, regardless of of wins, is this development of Justin Fields. And you know, looking at the stat line, it wasn't too much different than other games. But obviously, you know, looking at the rushing yards and looking at the, the crucial plays, like when if you watch the Manning cast, like it's cover zero, it's got a man open, and he he was he got he took a lick, and then still was able to get the ball to Khalil Herbert for a walk in touchdown, a perfectly designed play for that. Which by the way should have fucking been roughing the passer. I don't know what these, these refs are looking at. This continues to be so inconsistent; it's mind boggling. But for him to stay in the pocket and make that throw was really impressive. Time and time again, he would do that, and. You know, still there's those fumbles and still some some issues where it's Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, Justin Fields. But you can see he's still just a, it feels like every game he really is making those improvements. And remember, you know, Lucas Patrick going out and Michael Schofield had to step in. Um, 
Uh oh. Did we lose Evan? I don't know what happened. That was weird. I was <laughs> like, you're back. Did we leave? Get you out. <laughs> like I was talking about, pick up right where we left off. Yep. The the offensive line shuffling now, Larry Borum in concussion protocol. Oh. It, it's still going to throw a lot of punches at you. And for Justin Fields to to step up the way he has repeatedly when he, he's on the losing end in every game and coming from behind and playing just elite defenses and, and, and still adjusting to the speed and, and playing with tra trash wide receivers for the most part. Um, you, you see the potential is there. So it's all pointing in the right direction, but it's so great too. I, I want the bears to, to switch just flip the script, so to speak from being that defensive minded football team to being, you know, what the Eagles are now, what the bills are now bills are so balanced on both sides, but be what Kansas city is, where they just have a offense that can put up 40-some points on any given Sunday. But to see the defense play like they did and have three takeaways, especially from the young guys and Roquan Smith, it was great to see them feast on a, a quarterback that was reeling, and you could see he was sort of out of place. It was, it was a get-right game, right, where you stop the losing streak and uh, you're able to sort of regroup, and now you have – another shorter week when you go into Dallas for a pretty tough test uh, against the Cowboys. So it, it was really great to see overall. It was great to see. And, you know, to me to kind of touch on Justin Fields a little bit is, you know, the ringer.com had a great piece earlier this week about the, the Colts making the change from benching Matt Ryan to starting Sam Ellinger. And they made the, the, the change by basically saying, listen, these running quarterbacks in the league right now, these, these rushing quarterbacks, they're counting for higher yards per play than your stationary quarterbacks, right? Because they've got the ability to not only get the football down the field with their arm, right? And being able to, um, you know, extend, extend the plays with their arm, make big plays with their arm and get the, the ball down the field. But also their legs right now are, are causing teams to, you know, to, to really game plan for that as well. Right. And so, you know, there's a stat out there saying right now that all, you know, Pat Mahomes is the only guy, is the only quarterback in football right now that has a, a bigger yards per play average than any other quarterback with his arm than any other quarterback. So this sport right now is being dominated by rushing quarterbacks. And if you know that, then why not as an offensive quarter, coordinator, will you use that to your advantage? We see it in Buffalo right now, right? They're, they're, they're the number one team in, in the AFC because Josh Allen is the point guard of that offense. And we see Lamar Jackson has won an MVP before with his legs and with his arm. And so going forward, it would just be outright stupid for you not to be able to say, I've got this amazing weapon. He can pick up first downs with his legs. He can get me, you know, he's, he is a dynamic weapon in the red zone, which is we talked about last week, using him better in the red zone. And then also he's got a great arm. Why am I not going to be able to use all his tools to that advantage? The days of the quarterback doing the five-step drop and just sitting back in the, in, in the pocket and shuffling around, that's over. These guys are getting out of the league right now. Tom Brady is a, a shell of himself. He will not last. If he lasts this, this season, I don't know what's going to happen tonight against the Ravens. He's not going to last past this season, right? Matt Ryan has already gotten benched. Ben Roethlisberger is out of the league. And and um, uh, what's the guy that has 19 kids? Phillip Rivers is out of the league. Like, these guys – are out of the league right now. Even um, Matthew Stafford has struggled a little bit. It's a new age quarterback. And you have to embrace it and you have to run your offense to it. The best thing that can happen for the Bears going forward is that 
now teams start to put a spy on Justin Fields because all that does is that takes one more guy away from the secondary and allows your receivers to be able to roam freely. If teams start spying Justin Fields, it's it's night-night for defenses because all of a sudden you've got to account for his legs and the fact that he's got a rocking forearm. That's the kind of thing you want to, to do. You want these defenses to start to game plan for the fact that this guy is the best and most dynamic athlete on the field. And so I was really happy to see Luke Getze come out with that performance on on Monday night. Yeah, Ryan Poles was a big fan of that performance. He said, quote, I know Justin has been a big topic in his development, and we're encouraged with the progress that is there. It's not on the statistics and on the paper all the time, but he is getting better in a lot of different areas. I think as a whole, we've got to continue to play better around him as well to allow him to keep playing well and get his confidence going and execute at a high level. Um, only thing I wanted to touch on before we talk about um, the, the most recent trade, mm-hmm. uh, Robert Quinn, was, you know, what are you seeing in, in Kyler Gordon and Jaquan Brisker in the secondary now, Ross? Are you seeing this, this looking like a, a pretty elite package as advertised now and these rookies really maturing before your eyes? Yeah, I think Brisker has been awesome, you know, all season long. He's played every single snap except for the one snap where he got kicked in the nuts on Monday by Mac Jones, who should at the very least be fine for that because, you know, if that was a defensive player that that had that kind of play on a quarterback, that would have been a fine and, and a possible suspension. But that's a whole other topic. So Jaquan is really comfortable. Um, I, I thought that Jaquan was was very, you know, Jamal Adams-like with, with better ball skills, even coming out of college and, and coming into the situation. That's what he's shown to you. He's great around the line of scrimmage. He's got a few sacks already. He's got tackles for a loss. And now he's got, you know, the interception to add to his books. He's just going to keep being developed. That guy's a superstar. He, he's going to be a superstar going forward. What I love about Kyler Gordon is the Bears stopped shifting him around. We talked about this, you know, frequently on the show. He was going from outside to nickel to nickel to outside. And for a young corner in the league, that's just too much of a learning curve as a rookie. The Bears since, you know, over the last couple weeks have kept him inside. And look what's happened. He's been a dynamic tackler inside. It really started with that Vikings game. He's been a great tackler on the inside. And he has now started to pick up his ball skills. And I think he's getting confidence and I can only see that increasing going forward. And, you know, it, that wouldn't happen if we, we've got to shout out Kendall Vador for a second, because he was a, um, he was a lightning rock topic, you know, especially last year for the bears and their poor play on defense. He's been outstanding this year on the outside. And because him and Jalen Johnson are those, those mainstays on the outside and be outstanding. It allows a guy like Kyler Gordon to play on the inside and be comfortable. And he's just a dynamic football player as a nickel position, allow him to continue to develop there. If that guy plays nickel all the time, his whole career. I'm okay with that. Listen, guys like Cooper cup and Devonte Adams and stuff like that. They line up 60% of the time during the game from the nickel spot, right? So you need good nickel players. And you need guys that can also support the run and, and, and tackle as well. So shout out to Brisker and Gordon. I hope they can continue to develop because right now everybody talks about, it should have been George Pickens or it should have been Alec Pierce or it should have been Christian Watson and all these other wide receivers. But it's very realistic that Gordon and Brisker are going to come out to be better football players than all three of those guys. And if that happens, that's a win for Ryan Pulse. Absolutely. Couldn't have said it better. So you've seen the bears trending in the right direction now at this point and still looking ahead to next year, as as I told you what Ryan Pulse had to say about Justin Fields, he has, some issues within his own organization where he has to think about cap space and, and think about where this team is headed and, and who to cut ties with, who to, 
who to keep. And and we knew he was on the trading block, the most likely guy in Robert Quinn. And he played his last game in a Bears uniform on, on a Monday nighter and went out a winner. And so now he's a Philadelphia Eagle in exchange for a fourth round draft pick. And and I just immediately when I heard that, too, I was like, boy, he's he's going to be chasing Justin Fields up and down the field when they play the Eagles later this season. Uh, but both teams announced the terms of the trade yesterday afternoon pending uh, Quinn passing the physical, which I'm sure he will. But it frees up a lot of cap space. I mean, the fourth round pick, I think, is is pretty maximum. I mean, pretty maximum value when I've, I've thought about it over and over again. And it, it just makes too much sense for them to do it. And, you know, the ripple effect, obviously, these are people and it's so tough to see. You saw Roquan Smith, you know, tearing up at the podium when he was talking about the impact that, that Robert Quinn had. And and certainly he had one of his best seasons as, as a Chicago Bear. He was just a, a season or two removed from that. Mm-hmm. And a guy who you could certainly get behind as a pass rusher, like not not no frills, like not going out with gloves or anything, not taped up, just goes. And, and an old school sort of feeling from a pass rushing standpoint. So they'll miss that, certainly uh, his impact, because he was, you know, whether it was Zappi or Mac Jones, he was making his impact felt. Uh, repeatedly, but I, I mean, you, you gotta, you gotta start doing what these other teams have done when they've been at the bottom and that's pooling draft picks and freeing up that space to, to continue to prepare for next year and beyond and build around Justin Fields. Yeah. And absolutely. And listen, you know, Robert Quinn, 32 years old, he's, he's going on 33 years old. He's been in the league now for over 10 years. Uh, he's had a great career, but he doesn't fit into the Bears timeline right now. Right. Which is, yeah. you know, this team is, is looking to really, really, really compete probably not next year, but maybe the year before. If it happens a year early, I, I wouldn't be surprised. Right. But you're probably looking two years from now where this team is really looking to compete and, and be uh, a Super Bowl contender. So because of that, along with his cap hit and the fact that, let's be honest, he only had one sack this year. It wasn't quite the production from last year. You, you really needed to move on from him. You need to, you know, what the Bears did was they essentially bought a draft pick, right? They're picking up the rest of his contract and they're going to pay that, but they accumulate the cap space for it, which is really important because the Bears have, you know, over $120 million to play with next year in cap space and they need a lot to add to this roster. But you pick up an extra fourth round pick and that's really important right now because, you know, you said uh, you hit it on the head. Ryan Poles has to fill in some, some, some needs and some holes for this roster, right? You figure... You know, even in the first two rounds, you're going to be looking for, you know, possibly an offensive tackle and possibly a wide receiver, right? But you still need uh, a, a good three technique. You need a good three technique defensive, t- you know, tackle. You don't know what you're going to do with Cody Whitehair. You definitely need a center because, good God, Mustafer and, and Patrick have been awful all year, yeah. right? You're going to need, a, you know, possibly another corner for some depth. Jackson, yeah, you're gonna need more wide receivers, right? Because mm-hmm. the guys that you have right now most likely aren't gonna be on the roster. And you can continue to find rotational defensive ends for this system, right? So, you know, we've seen like like Dominic uh, Robinson this year has had a great you – know, he's a fifth-round pick this year, and he's been a good rotation guy. Well, guess what? He gets more snaps now that Robert Quinn is gone, right? And then you're going to be able to see Travis Gibson get the majority of those snaps, who that's a guy that could be a piece, you know, going forward for you, right? So, you know, as much as we – it sucks just to say goodbye to a good quality veteran um, like Robert Quinn – 
you just had to do it. He didn't fit in the timeline right now. You know, I'd rather see guys like Angelo Blackson, you know, get on there. I'm not a big Al Kadi Muhammad guy. I think that's kind of a bust of a, of a, of a sign. It has been one sack so far, seven tackles. Yeah, absolutely. But I really want to see Travis Gibson get all of those snaps really going forward, right? I really want to see him uh, get out on the football field and, and, and take a ton of snaps. I'm a huge Travis Gibson fan, and um, I, I think he has a, a lot of high potential to be a good pass rusher in this league right now. But anytime you get a fourth-round pick for, for that guy and accumulate the cap space, good move. Good move. I support it. You could have traded a bit higher if you had done it, you know, weeks ago or in the offseason probably. But uh, but but the bottom line is it, it makes the most sense for this team going forward. And um, I know we answered a lot of the, the questions in the comments as far as who replaces Robert Quinn. And and Muhammad has not been as advertised, you know, Eberflus's guy. But this whole defensive line is going to be in flux. It's probably going to look very different come next year. Um, but you know, you see the depth there and you talked about all the needs going into the off season. Um, but right now Dallas is next Ross and mm -hmm. Cowboys aren't completely healthy. Dak is coming. He's come back now. So he's still getting back into the swing of things. I feel like, mm -hmm. and Zeke said he'll, he'll try to play this Sunday. Obviously when you're playing in Jerry's world, it's, it's a hostile atmosphere, but I feel like they're reeling at this point And, NFC East has been playing tough, uh, and you saw, you know, if any indication the Bears playing against the Commanders uh, and the Giants, how that's going to go. Um, got beat pretty soundly by the Giants. But what kind of chance do you do you see for one against them, uh, Bears against the Cowboys, and then what what do you want to see? <laughs> yeah, so you know, and in, in, you know, going back to the whole Robert Quinn thing, I, I have to give a shout out to um, our good buddy from the Barroom Network. Um, 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 God damn! Gotta uh, get Greg, his name. <laughs> I know. Greg Gabriel, of course. Greg Greg Gabriel, uh, of course, who was former scout for the Chicago Bears, and him and I DM each other all the time. He's he's a great guy. We talk about anything from football to grilling and, and, and stuff like that. But he always said, "Keep an eye out on Jonathan Kingsley, who's uh, who came over from the Buffalo Bills." And I think Kingsley is a yeah. is a good rotational defensive end that's going to be able to get some snaps now that that Quinn is gone, but. You know, looking forward to this football game right here. You know, I watched a lot of that Cowboys game last weekend against the Lions, and the Lions have one of the worst defenses in the league. And the Cowboys really struggled to move the football. Um, you know, Dak Prescott looked very, very rusty coming back off that thumb injury, and, and it just didn't look good. Their offensive line is kind of struggling a little bit. Now they've got Zeke Elliott probably missing this football game uh, because he's banged up, which means that you're down. Um, one of your best weapons on offense, you know, Tony Pollard is no slasher. I think Tony Pollard is a great football player. Um, but if, if Dak Prescott is still not in a groove yet coming off of that thumb injury, the Bears can can put a little bit of pressure on him and, and, and be able to get to that, um, you know, be able to, to get the football. I think I think now this secondary is playing with a lot of confidence right now, and they're going to be able to try and attack the football and get some takeaways from, from Dak Prescott. Um, on the offensive side of things, Boy, it would be really nice if Michael Parsons does not play on Sunday. I know he oh, set boy. out of practice again today, so now it's kind of trending in a weird direction with him. I still think that he would play on Sunday, but even if he's at 50% or he's on the field for only 50% of the time, that's a huge win for the Bears because they're going to be at, uh, you know, it looks like right now Larry Borum is going to miss the football game. He's got a concussion, which means yep, yeah. Riley Reef is going to step in. He's going to be the right tackle you're looking at right now. Your new offensive line, 
Off the top of my head is going to be Braxton Jones, Michael Schofield, Sam Mustafer, Tevin Jenkins, and Riley Reef are going to be your five guys that you're going to see on Sunday, which means you get yet another new offensive line, uh, you know, combination, which, you know, five guys will always tell you up front, they don't like, they like continuity, right? They, they, they like to, so I expect for Luke Getze again to continue to get the football out of Justin's hands quickly, try and establish the run early on, right? Van Der Esch is a guy that you're going to have to key on, but if the Bears won this football game, it wouldn't be shocking to me. And you ask, you know, what's the result that you want? I, I, I'm at the point right now where I think in the NFL, um, I, I'm not a fan of tanking. I, I think that you can get just as quality of a good football player at pick number 16 or 17 as you can at pick number five, right? You know, look at where guys like, you know, Justin Jefferson were drafted at and, and some of the better wide receivers in the league and some of the better offensive linemen in the league, the, the, the true needs of the Bears, look where they were drafted at. And I think if this team went, you know, seven and 10 or, or something like that, they could still get a quality football player there. To me, it's more important that Justin Fields continues to stack good performances. And if that means that they go out there and they win on Sunday because Justin Fields had a great game, I, I will. I, I'm not going to be pissed off at that. I can't. I can't be. That's yeah, the most important and, thing. And you start to develop on on in every phase, I mean, certainly offensive and defensively, as you play better competition. I think there's a lot to be said with this schedule as, as they get into uh, later into the season, too, as we're basically mid-season at this point now. And like, like I talked about, Dak being back is huge for the Cowboys, and I think that'll propel them offensively. You're, if you're, you know, Kyler Gordon and Jaquan Brisker and the rest of that secondary, you're keying up on CeeDee Lamb and, and whoever else lines up against you because they have a, a pretty deep receiving core in, as far as the Cowboys go. And then you talked about, you know, reigning defensive player of the year, Micah Parsons, and what a threat he is and how he is, is a guy who can keep Justin Fields in check for sure alone and then uh, the Dallas defense can can uh, work up front with that so it's what they're going to key on if you're Dallas is obviously that rotating offensive line that has changed yet again it's another combination we'll end this year probably with eight different line combos it seems like but it's next man up and that's as we've seen season ending injury after season ending injury without Zeke Elliott, you know, the, the Pollard can step up, step in just as easily. He's done it before. So I, you know, long story short, I certainly see, I'm going to be still, still pessimistic in that the bears will lose, but they're not going to tank. They're certainly going to line up and they're going to play their best four quarters of football that they can. They're just still not at that level that I think Dallas is at and watch me be wrong. Right. If you can continue to roll and, and build on those, um, those strengths that you're starting to develop, like those those running plays for Justin Fields, and and maybe these wide receivers take those next steps. But he's also, you know, pretty predictable in that these bear this Bears team, if you do key against the run and force Justin Fields to pass, he's pretty mistake prone still too, and he doesn't have a lot of time in the pocket. He just obviously had a had a better game plan behind him against a Patriots team, and that defense bailed him out a lot. So. I think it'll be much tougher test, certainly from the defensive standpoint against Dak Prescott. And then Justin Fields, we'll see if he can continue some of this momentum. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, listen, I, you know, I, kind of in the last minute on, on, on Monday, um, I took the Bears. They were, they were plus eight and a half to win to, on the, on the, uh, to cover. And um, I didn't take them on the money line, but I picked them to cover because I think that this is a better football team than uh, plus eight and a half was, was laying. I, I just did not trust the Patriots, right? And so you look at this game coming in on Sunday and the Cowboys are nine and a half point favorites. 
And I still think that's disrespectful. I, I'm sorry. I, I know the Cowboys are a good football team, right? But I just don't think the Bears are nine and a half point dogs to the Cowboys. I think they're able to keep this game closer. So anytime I see those big lines like that, um, you know, for a football team that doesn't have, you know, the Bears aren't like Texans bad or, or anything like that. There's a lot of bad football teams in the league. I don't think the Bears are quite at that level. I start to kind of, you know, you kind of start to peek a little bit and you're like, listen, plus nine and a half is looking really good. I'm going to take that plus nine and a half personally on, on, on Sunday. But if you want to throw a little money line on there, I ain't mad at you, right? Because that feels like that smells like another upset game. Um, you know, Bears are, are plus 345 on the money line right now. We all know 10 bucks to get you 34 and a half uh, bucks there. But you want to put a little bit more on that. I'm not mad at you. I think the Bears can keep this game close. And if they can, I like their special teams. I like their defense to potentially be able to steal one in Dallas. Also, remember, orange jerseys are coming back this Sunday. Yes, sir. Cowboys are in their blue jerseys for a rare time. They're usually in the white jerseys. So we get to see blue jerseys on this Sunday from the Cowboys. And very much so like the Bears stopping Bill Belichick from passing um, um, George Hallis on Monday. The Cowboys at halftime are honoring Emmett Smith for passing Walter Payton for the all-time rushing title, right? What better way than than to see that than the Bears kind of, uh, uh, um, you know, avenge the great Walter Payton, rest in peace, Walter Payton, and go out there and uh, and beat the Cowboys. So it's possibly a uh, a big game on the ground from from David Montgomery and Khalil Herbert um, with the with the rushing theme. But I think the Bears will keep it close. I would hope so. I'm I'm just hoping for. Something close. You're seeing in the comments, Ron just said 38-10 Bears win. If you, the Bears score 30 again, and if they lose, I'm not mad at that. If they can continue to put up points because this is such a, a points-happy uh, league, obviously, you, you got to put up 30 to 40 a week to be with these contenders, with the Chiefs and the Bills and, and Eagles, these types of teams. Mm -hmm. I, I'm all for it, but we shall see what, what happens as they match up against the Cowboys in this uh, Sunday matchup. But we got to recap more of this last week, too, as we look ahead to week eight. Week seven had some some action. As I mentioned, the Bills were, were out and the Vikings and the Eagles were on buys. But uh, it was more of the same as far as the Chiefs, another huge win. They were pouring it on the Niners. The Bengals are riding the ship a bit. But then just when they are, Jamar Chase, he's out with a hip injury for four to six weeks. We just heard today. Jets and the Giants keep rolling. Like you said, the NFC is pretty wide open right now. And then there's the two main teams in the Bills and the Chiefs as far as AFC and, and everybody else. Um, but Jets and Giants keep rolling. New York football is coming on strong. But we've talked about it before, but my takeaway is still is, is on the losing end. It really feels in the NFC that the biggest story is that the Bucs and, and Packers struggles. And Tom Brady and the Bucs only scoring three against the Christian McCaffrey-less Panthers was pretty surprising. I, I, I don't think anybody predicted that, just like the Bears were uh, not predicted to to come anywhere close to winning against the Pats, but any given Sunday. And then Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay lost to Washington. That was also pretty surprising. But you've seen the tail of the tape throughout this year thus far, and, and you got the two number 12s where they're, they're both aging. They, you know, Tom Brady at least has had – wide receiver injuries to his top weapons and and certainly offensive line in flux has, has not helped him stay upright. Um, and you saw it all come to a head this, this last Sunday where they only mustered three points, but then Aaron Rodgers, you know, now he's just getting to, to be 
bitter Aaron Rodgers that that Bears fans love to see as they were on the losing end against Washington. Uh, but the Bucs have the advantage, I guess, when you're looking in the, in the long term, when they still want to hold on some playoff uh, playoff aspirations. Excuse me. The, the Bucks play in a division where no team has a winning record. They're still at the top. Um, and then Rodgers and co. have the Vikings to compete with. Um, but what else, Ross? What would you see from week seven? Um, New York teams, uh, not in con New York City teams, excuse me. This isn't even counting Buffalo, but yeah, I didn't New say City. New York City. Yeah, New York, greater New, New York. Yeah. New York, New York City teams are 11 and three this season, excuse me. Right. So the Giants are six and one right now, and, and the Jets are five and two. Shout out to both of those head coaches for kind of riding the ship there and, 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 um, you know, doing well. Uh, I thought the Chiefs really made a statement against the 49ers. And, and for them to be able to put 44 points on the board, Pat Mahomes at 423 yards. And then he just got Kadarius Tony today um, traded from the Giants to the Chiefs. So he gets another new toy to play with, right? It was a McCall Harmon breakout game. I think that that was a huge statement win for them. And, and, and Juju. Yeah. And Juju. Yep, absolutely. So the Chiefs are trying to, like, right the ship a little bit. And they're trying to show teams, you know, even though we lost to Buffalo the week before, we're still going to be there at the end and we can still put some points on the board. Um, what Seattle's doing is just downright impressive to me. Shout out to Geno Smith. I, he's got to be most improved. I don't know what the hell the, the NFL does. Is it most improved player of the year? Is it a comeback player? Whatever it is, give it to Geno Smith, please, because he's just been awesome this year. I think it's such a fun story. Um, I, I love watching him play. I, I love, you know, Pete Carroll. I mean, he was right, right? You look at all the goofy shit that Russell Wilson is doing. He's doing high knees on, a, on an airplane to, to London. First off, if I ever see anybody on an international flight, and I've taken a few in my lifetime, do some fucking high knees at like when you're trying to cross the Atlantic Ocean <laughs> to get to overseas, and you're already going to be jet lag. I'm going to punch you in the face. Anytime I'm on an international flight, here's what it, it entails. The cheapest bottle of wine that you can give me, a, a, a good trilogy, because you need all three movies at the same time. I, I'd say maybe <laughs> Lord of the Rings or The Matrix. Oh, my God. Something like that, right? Lethal Weapon is a good one as well. Yeah, um, and, and then you just watch bad movies until you fall asleep and you put the, the little eye mask on and you wake up and then you can have some tea and crumpets. But if you're doing fucking high knees on an airplane when you're going overseas, I'm going to punch you in the goddamn face. I digress. Um, <laughs> and, and now you got a London game for those guys. And that could be that could be Nathaniel Hackett, like find your own way home flight. Because if they lose that football game, I think he is one and done. I think they might fire him uh, in the season. Um, you know, some other standouts for me is um, – you know, a very costly win for the Bengals because we heard what happened with Jamar Chase today. He could potentially miss anywhere between four to six weeks to the season. And I don't know what's going to happen with that team if they don't have that guy out there. That is a huge, huge blow uh, to that team. And then, you know, finally, you know, we got to go all the way back to Thursday night. But I thought the Kyler, Cliff, the Kyler Murray Cliff Kingsbury thing is so bizarre to me because it looks like these guys – freaking hate each other with a passion they're yelling at each other in sidelines yet that was a huge win for them they get like 40 points in that game and thanks to andy dalton throwing like five and five yeah, touchdowns he, he doing touchdowns to you and to you yeah. and to them and to everybody else but it's like the cliff and kyler thing to me i watch every sunday or anytime they're on just to watch those two and, and see them yelling at each other in the dynamic so 
you know, it, those are a couple of things that stood out to me going forward to week eight. Now, I, you know, I can't wait for, for week eight. Obviously we, we've got the bears game. I'll pull up the schedule here because I already kind of forgot about what we got for week eight. I know we got some good matchups. I got you, Ross. So it all kicks off tonight. And certainly, the, you know, we haven't even talked, we've talked about how important it is to, um, you know, for, for the Buccaneers to bounce back and, and, and have them have a good game against the Ravens. Uh, that's tonight on Amazon. We know that we love the Thursday night matchups, but yeah, there, there's going to be some huge games. Cardinals, Vikings, you just talked about how the Cardinals had a, a huge game against the Saints and then, you know, Patriots, Jets, Jets going to continue to roll here. And then as we get into the the teams that are kind of struggling to to hold on to any semblance of hope for playoffs and, and save their season, Eagles looking to remain undefeated against the Steelers and then 49ers, Rams, and then Giants, Seahawks. Like, like we talked about, Seahawks have been so good as far as what they've been able to do without Russell Wilson. And, and I'll talk about the Broncos in a moment too. But the Sunday Nighters. Look at look at Packers and Bills, man, and and Aaron Rodgers. We'll see what kind of performance he has now. Also talking about injuries, Alan Lazard isn't going to suit up for that Sunday nighter. But what else are you looking at, Ross? Yeah, and the Packers are going to get their ass kicked on Sunday night. That that's that's a gimme. Um, I look at like Raiders Saints. That's probably like a loser leaves town game. I think the loser of that football game is probably you could kiss the playoffs goodbye. Uh, you know, with that situation. Uh, Cardinals Vikings, very interesting game because again, you know the Vikings right now sit atop the NFC North. Um, but again, I, I think the Cardinals are just a weird team. I, I don't, I wouldn't be surprised if the Cardinals went in there and beat them, right? And you know, just because it's just such a weird team that you can't game plan for. Um, you know, outside of that, um, the, the the marquee matchup to me is the the 49ers and the Rams, and that's a that's why they put that game on the Fox 325 game. We know that. Um, you know, the, the 49ers always play the Rams very, very tough. I think that the 49ers have a lot of pressure on them right now coming off of that Christian McCaffrey trade and everything that they gave up for him. Now it's like, okay, you're trying to really go for it and, and win a Super Bowl. Um, but if you lose back-to-back games and they have a lot of injuries right now, you know, what was the, what was the point? What was the purpose, right? And so they're going to go out there and they're going to try and really take it to the Rams who, you know, Right now, the 49ers are the favorites to win that division, but the Rams are going to kind of, you know, you know, hang in there and, um, and, and, and see if they can take it. They get Van Jefferson back this week, I believe, um, who hasn't played all year. He had an injury. Remember Van Jefferson, who was um, great all for them last year. There's a slot receiver. He was the guy that ran off the field at the end of the Super Bowl last year because his wife was having a baby. Um, and he had to go visit her in the hospital. She was in labor. But if they can add him to that offense, you know, I, I'm sure Cooper Cup and, and, and Matthew Stafford appreciate that because Cooper Cup is probably um, absolutely exhausted. But, yeah, it, you know, there's going to be another fun week of football. Um, I'm going to be um, passing out candy uh, in addition to to watching football. We're, we're, our our trick-or-treating is going on around here Saturday and Sunday. So, yeah, it's going to be it's a good time. Yes, sir. Another week of football. I, I'll say too, on the note of of what team would you rather not be? The Broncos, man. I've talked about it every week, and, and overpaying Russell Wilson at this point, uh, just oodles of money to to put up nine points. They had against uh, who did they play last week? Against the Jets. I mean, the Jets, like we talked about, are, are a good football team, and they just lost Brees Hall, but sixteen to nine. <laughs> it's unbelievable. I would certainly rather be the Bears at this point with a young Justin Fields 
behind them and, and all this cap space going for them. But the Broncos and, and these billionaire owners don't look like they know how to run a football team. <laughs> they don't. Well, the, the funny thing is, you know, they, they didn't inherit that situation. They, they, they well, they're the Walmart heirs. Right. And so yeah. that yeah. tells you a lot about the situation because screw Walmart um, for a variety of different reasons. But um yeah, it's just it looks like a huge mistake. I, I think you know, you for them to write the ship, you're you're married to Russell Wilson now for at least a couple years going forward. You're not gonna be able to get out of that contract situation. I don't think they I don't think Nathaniel Hackett is it. I think he's gotta go. I think that he was a guy that was hired before that the new ownership you know situation went through. So they're not married to him. They would rather pay Nathaniel Hackett to go away than to see Russell Wilson continue to fail in this situation. So I think Wilson would be gone. A, a name that I would keep an eye out for. Um, you know, you want to say Sean Payton, but you have to trade for him from the Saints because he's still technically on the contract with them. They gave up all their draft picks to get Russell Wilson. So I think he's out of the question for them. So, you know, I would look at Daryl Bevel. Who, and Daryl Bevel was the offensive coordinator back in Seattle when Russell Wilson had all of his success. And he was the guy that was, you know, kind of running the show from the offensive side of things when they went to their Super Bowl runs. And Daryl Bubba right now is the quarterback coach down for the Dolphins. And he's a guy that's been working with Tua. And he's also the passing game coordinator because we know their, their head coach, Mike McDaniel, down there ran the running game for the 49ers. That's a guy I think I would look at um, that, you know, would um, be a potential fit for the Broncos going forward because he knows Russell Wilson the best out of anybody. And I think he will tailor – the whole situation to get Russell Wilson back on track. And he wouldn't cost a lot of money because you're going to be paying a head coach to, to go away and the you hack it. And you're going to have to bring a guy like Bevel in on the cheap to be able to kind of right the ship a little bit. All right. Sage advice from Ross. Uh, we talked a lot about NFL and like I said, Bucks and, and, and Raven should be a good one tonight, but Hey, the same night where the bears beat the Pats, the bulls beat the Celtics. I, I got to say the side note is, is being green Bay is, which is so rare is awesome. Beating any Detroit team is the tits, but it's so thoroughly, I so thoroughly enjoy beating any Boston team that spoiled ass fan base uh, whenever Chicago gets the chance. So it was doubly exciting for them to beat the Pats for the bears to beat the Pats and then bulls to beat the Celtics. Uh, it's super early on in the Bulls note, but but the Bulls have looked mostly sharp. I think now that Levine's back, you're seeing that backcourt is as good as advertised. And with Caruso and Kobe White playing pretty well and, you know, DeRozan Levine show. And it's pretty much a fun crapshoot of whoever else is going to show up. And, you know, where Vooch had a, a crazy stat line against the, the Celtics, but then came back down to earth uh, against the Pacers yesterday. But you, you could see the, the potentials there. You've seen anything that surprised you thus far with the Bulls, Ross? Um, I would say, unfortunately for me, the biggest surprise is, is how much of a disappointment Patrick Williams has been. Yeah. Um, you know, he's a guy that I was hoping would take a big leap this year going forward, and he just hasn't done it. Thankfully, um, you know, um, you know, Ayo DeSumo has, and he's kind of taken the reins a little bit as, as a starting port guard. He had a good game last night against the Pacers, and hopefully he can continue to develop going forward. Um, great game from Zach Levine yesterday. I think that was his first game of the season where he felt like he had his sea legs underneath him and he kind of responded. He hit like six threes yesterday and had an awesome game. You, you hope that Zach can continue to be better and continue to stay on the court and not miss games due to any kind of knee soreness or anything like that. But, um, you know, I, I, you know, I, I hope this Bulls team can, can, can be able to, can, 
continue to stack wins early on. And we hope that Lonzo Ball can come back at some point this season and maybe they can make a little bit of noise in the playoffs. I still think that they're not as good as like the Milwaukee Bucks of the world or the, the Boston Celtics of the world. But listen, it, it would still be fun if they're able to make a little bit of a run as like a, you know, anywhere between a five, you know, four or five seed in the playoffs and, and maybe win a series or two. Um, but most importantly, you got to get Patrick Williams on track, man. You, you got to find a way to get this young man some confidence and, and, and get to a way that he feels comfortable on the court. He didn't even have a rebound yesterday in yesterday's game. This guy's a starting power forward out on the court. That's just unacceptable in my opinion. That's just a complete lack of confidence and, and awareness for him right now. That's a big hole in, in that Bulls team and that Bulls roster. I'm not sure what the fix is or, or what's going on with Patrick Williams, where he showed you, th- you thought that the health issue was what was holding him back. But if he's playing these games, he's got to get quality minutes. And and if you're doing anything else, at least rebound the ball, for God's sakes. Pretty wild. But at least the Bulls are not the Lakers at 0-4 right now. And and certainly, uh, I also wanted to touch on how the Cavs are going to have uh, the, the Central Division's number, too, when you're looking at the Bucks and and the Bulls, how um, they're jockey, both trying to jockey for that number one spot. The Cavs made all the right offseason moves and have a lot of youth, and and you saw it when the Bulls played them um, just this past Saturday, when they just put a hurting on them. But yeah, other NBA notes. I, I know I love I love the chippiness of the Warriors and Suns game. Uh, do you see? You know, the only other basketball note I, that I had was: Do you see sort of this? regression from from the warriors i mean everybody's gunning for them obviously because they're the dynasty of this decade but do you see what people are seeing here with some sort of regression ross no i don't see it. I, I you know steve kerr started at the beginning of the year saying listen i'm not going to play these guys 35 40 minutes a game i'm going to i'm going to ease them into the season i'm going to use our depth to kind of rest my, my starters and that's kind of what he's doing right now steve kerr has done this a lot he's got a lot of championships as a player and as a coach and he knows that this is a marathon, not a sprint. He needs guys to be healthy going into April and May and June and doesn't really matter right now, right? So listen, we know that the Warriors are going to make the playoffs and we know they're going to be probably a top three seed. And for Steve Kerr, that's all that matters to him right now, right? Because the Suns are going to go for it. The Suns feel like they've got a lot to prove and that's awesome until Chris Paul and his old ass breaks down in February and March and he misses like yeah. his usual two like months. Season. Absolutely, he loses, he loses you know, his, his usual two months of the season or, you know, Kawhi Leonard does a Kawhi Leonard thing and he disappears for a month and a half and doesn't play basketball. Right. So the way the Warriors are playing the smart, they're just easing into the season. They'll turn it on at some point. They'll have one of those typical classic Warriors win 10 games in a row stretch. I fully expect for them to be there at the end of the season. I picked them in the, in the Bucks to go to the NBA finals because I think they have the best rosters and I think they have the, the, the best two players that I want in the playoffs going forward and so i don't i'm not going to back off of that certainly at this early point in the season yes sir uh, it's very early on and certainly those two teams and then the warriors and the suns look like they're the class of uh, of the nba still and of the western conference but boy it's it's getting bad in laker town <laughs> that's that's for damn sure uh ross we, we teased at the beginning and we'll briefly touch on this before uh, more fun stuff, but it's been weeks ongoing with this and we've let it kind of slide by. Cause obviously we're keeping this more sports centric, a lot to talk about, but as, as two Chicago guys who are big fans of his music, we got to touch on Kanye. And now, you know, ever since the, the George Bush doesn't care about black people bit, I knew that Kanye wasn't going to censor himself, but he's just taking it to a whole nother level where he's trying really hard 
to lose all his endorsements and tank his business dealings. The shit has hit the fan after the anti-Semitic comments. Adidas dropped him. Balenciaga, CAA dropped him. His talent agency, uh, Foot Lock, Locker and Gap won't sell his products. Jalen Brown and Aaron Donald left on to sports. Uh, he was es- escorted out of the Skechers office when he showed up unannounced uh, to their L.A. office, which is is a bad look uh, amongst pretty much everything from from this whole month. This whole month has just gotten progressively worse since the White Lives Matter shirts, for that matter, too. Um, you know, him not now having a record company and or, or publishing deal begs the question, how will he release music? I, I don't know if he had anything. I'm sure he had something in the can, Donda 3 or whatever, but... They're painting over murals of him here in Chicago. He's essentially getting canceled, more or less, and he's alienated just every demographic that you can think of, except for, you know, obviously pro Nazis and uh, and and Trump people, which is not 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 the groups you you want to be uh, in cahoots with. But most people with sense and decency is the alien alienated. Excuse me. A lot of folks are asking the same thing. I, I just have one question: Is can he come back from this? <laughs> and I really don't see how. You know what? So here's my take on Kanye West is I I think he's got a severe mental illness. And I think he's had that severe mental illness for for probably most of his life. I think that his mother uh, was the one that kind of stabilized it. And when she passed away, you know, shit kind of hit the fan a little bit and has increasingly hit the fan for a very long time. This has been a long time in the making. But and here's a big but is I think that society has enabled that mental illness for a long time. And society has, he's been saying outlandish shit his entire life. He's done outlandish shit. And instead of, um, you know, turning him off or ignoring him, we have fed into it. We, you know, we, we've, he's, he's gotten more money and he's gotten more clicks and he's sold shoes and he sold this and he sold that. But to me, the thing that has irritated me the most over the years is People, when when I think that he's been at his worst mentally is when I think people have stuck microphones in front of him even more. And that's been frustrating to me is because I, I, I think that there are a lot of people profiting off of his mental illness. We saw Noriega do an interview with him on Drink Champs a couple of weeks ago, and that got a ton of backlash. And at the beginning, Noriega was like, I got two million clicks. And they, like, that's what I'm saying is like, when he goes on these rants, people are very quick to put a microphone in front of him because it gets them money and it gets them views and it, it increases their viewership and stuff like that. And, and even people on social media, they can't stop talking about him. They can't stop writing stories about him and doing this. He he makes people a lot of money in his downfall. And that's what I don't like because I don't like to be a part of a society where we can clearly see he's got a huge mental illness. But instead of turning him off and then saying, okay, can we please get somebody to help this man? Like I'm saying like right now, because I personally think that like he could be on suicide watch, you know what I'm saying? Like, like he could be that unstable. Instead, we continue to talk about him, make jokes about him, put a microphone in his face and just completely dismiss. Probably the most important thing is this man is severely mentally ill and you know, it, it, you wouldn't you wouldn't do that if you saw some guy in the street. You wouldn't do all these things. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, I I, I always remember, I always make the analogy is you know Vincent Van Gogh cut his ear off, right? The guy's a genius. Cut his ear off. It, like he had mental ear, mental illness issues. If Vincent Van Gogh painted Starry Night in 2020 22 and he cut his ear off, 
we'd put him on a podcast tomorrow or, or, or we'd had him on, on T on Tucker Carlson talking about how'd you cut your ear off? And like, that's bullshit to me. These guys, these people have mental illnesses and that and the way we react to it as a society is very frustrating for me. It's a toxic society that, that we're in. And, and, you know, it reminds you of when he said slavery was a choice and barged in the TMZ office. And then Van Lathan gave him second chance over and over again. But then he had seen like, signs of this this crazy shit that Kanye's been saying like pro-nazi stuff coming out at that point the bottom line is he he seriously I agree with you Ross and I had this conversation with many people about it is since his mother died there hasn't really been that that presence to keep him in check and that comfort to help him get mentally right his whatever he's done musically has progressed and and most recent stuff you know love it or not but but he still has a lot left in the tank when he is, uh, you know, whether he's producing or whether he's rapping um, still, obviously a lot of young rappers and producers would look up to him and, and that art form. So it's, yeah. it's just frustrating to see this guy, uh, you know, go and, and say these things. And then it's, it's one thing to just completely condemn him, but, but, you know, the, at this point, the Kardashians need to step in. His inner circle needs to step in. They need to try and s save the person. Like, he's still going to have money. He's going to be fine. He has a lot of royalties. He has, like, steak and skims. He's going to be okay. And he doesn't care about money, clearly. But but you really need – they need to intervene, essentially, and try to get him right at this point. It, it's, yeah, uh, and, you know, in my opinion, it's like, you know, I, I'm watching TMZ I, – I saw TMZ, you know, on, on Twitter today – and they were like, Delonte West got arrested again. And I'm like, okay, fine. He's fucking mentally ill. Like, why is that news to me? Because he once played basketball for the Cleveland Cavaliers. You've got to tell me that a guy who's mentally ill got arrested. Like, you're profiting off of the fact that, you know, that he's in a, in a, in a turmoil right now, in a downfall, right? To me, here's what I want with Kanye West, is I actually want all of us to stop talking about him for a while and I want him to go away for, I don't care if it's two, three, four, five years, get some help, get some mental health. You've got a family, you've got kids, right? Because, you know, all of a sudden your oldest daughter, she's old enough to see this and, and, and see what's going on. So now I start to worry about her mental health, right? Who worries about the mental health of Northwest and stuff like that while you're sure. putting her father's name through the mud and stuff like that. But I yeah, want him to... Yeah, it's ironic because he has a song in his last album called Off the Grid. And I want him to go completely off the grid for a few years. And if at some point he comes back the line, down the line two years later and he is in a much better mental state, then come on back and, and, and we can figure it out. We, we have as a society uh, forgiven a lot worse people, uh, you know, so, you know, we, especially, uh, you know, when the mental health is involved. You ain't got the answers. You ain't got the answers. You ain't got the answers, Sway. This one's still the best interviews of all time. It's still really good. He has some outstanding clips. Uh, but yeah, just, just go get yourself right. What I mean to say in clips is asking, he's saying, asking the Kardashians for mental help. I'm just saying, like, any family, anybody really cares about him because uh, also in the comments, when the vultures smell the money and, and smell someone weak yeah. like this, then... And they're going to start to kick you while you're down and it's going to be a really steep slope. And someone's just got to try and catch him. And, and, you know, he's a human being at the end of the day. There are so redeemable qualities and we have forgiven a lot of worse things from uh, celebrities and artists. That's for damn sure. Yes, absolutely.
Parting thoughts, Ross. Happy um, Halloween. Happy Halloween to everybody. Just a heads up. If you are coming to my house for candy this weekend, um, I will scare the shit out of you. If you're going to get some free candy out of me, at least uh, be prepared for, for the fog machine and the music and the lights and nice. skeletons and good. all that stuff. It, it's not quite like the set of Saw. Like It's going to be more PG-13. But just so you know, if I'm giving you free candy, expect your, your, your five-year-old little Timmy. He's, he's going to be a little, just a little frightened coming up the stairs. Just a little bit. I'm not going to scare him too much, but uh, tell your kid to sack up if he wants some Butterfinger out of me this weekend. Otherwise, um, I wish everybody nothing but the best. Be safe. Um, Barbarian is streaming on HBO Max, which was a great horror movie that was out in theaters a couple weeks ago. I am going to uh, probably pour a nice glass of bourbon tomorrow night and, and, and watch that and really get into the spirit. That a boy as you're passing out fucking candy corn at your house. I'm going to avoid it. <laughs> we got science fiction coming up later tonight on the Barroom Network. That's at 9 p.m. Central Time. And uh, the, thanks for the barflies chiming in. Uh, anybody who's listening, we're, we're going to be out partying in Rosemont next Saturday, yes. uh, November 5th at King's in Rosemont. 2 p.m. Yes. Central Time. That should be a fun celebration as it's scrolling at the bottom of your screen. But I echo everything Ross said. Be safe out there, but have fun. You got to you gotta be a little scared during Halloween. It's not just all hilarious costumes or scary costumes. Come on now. Uh, but yeah, remember to, to follow us on Twitter. Follow me at 311Mac. Follow Ross at Ross Reed. Check all our previous shows out on, on the Barroom Network, either on this YouTube channel, Spotify, iTunes, wherever you get your media. Follow Hit the like button. Hit that like button for sure at Barroom Network on Twitter. For now, we say deuces. Be good to each other out there. So long, everybody. Good night.